0: Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to Episode 8 of the A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode on Easter Sunday, the most glorious of all feast days in the entire year and the greatest of all holidays for Christians, I'm happy to go over the following topics I think of great importance this week to those Catholics who are more interested in living a liturgical life this Paschaltide. First, I'd like to discuss, based on an article I wrote several years ago for 1 Peter 5, the various customs of different Catholic cultures for Easter week. What food, what activities, what greetings, and what other changes do we see in lives of those who are truly living out the Paschal Mysteries this Easter week? In particular, I'd like to focus a little bit on why Easter Monday and Easter Tuesday are such a big deal and have been entirely forgotten. Secondly, I'd like to discuss the Easter duty. That is, what is the Easter duty, and when may it be fulfilled, and why is the failure to observe it a mortal sin? Three, I'd like to remind everybody that there is no incompatibility between abstinence and Paschal Tide. There is a tendency for people to totally dismiss, now that Lent has ended, all forms of fasting, asceticism, and penance. And that is simply not the case. We should still be observing Friday abstinence based upon church law on Fridays throughout the Easter season, and even Saturday absence used to be mandatorily required as well still during Paschal Tide, so we'll discuss those and more on today's episode for Easter Sunday. But first, I would like to again thank CatechismClass.com for generously sponsoring this episode. CatechismClass.com is the leader in online Catholic catechism classes, For everybody, from kindergarten through lifelong Catholics in adulthood. They offer everything from RCIA classes, adult continuing education, faith formation, marriage preparation, baptism preparation for parents and godparents, confirmation prep, say classes, catechist training courses, and so much more. And in particular, they have asked that I offer on this episode 25% off of their Easter season study course. Use discount code EASTER25, that's Easter with a capital E, no space, and the number 2 and 5, to save 25% off the Easter season study course, which has a different lesson for every single Sunday of tide, as well as a special lesson on the forgotten vigil of the Ascension. So please visit catechismclass.com to save on that today. First and foremost, we have entered the greatest and most glorious week of the entire year, the week of Easter. And I hope that many of you have had the opportunity over the Triduum to take time off work to really experience the liturgy on Holy Thursday, on Good Friday, and on Holy Saturday. Today is Easter Sunday, which inaugurates the glorious week where we celebrate our Lord's resurrection. In fact, this week is one of primary importance. Before 1642, that is before the changes of Pope Urban VIII, where he reduced the number of Holy Days of Obligation down to 36, all of Easter week was a Holy Day of Obligation. His changes in 1642 kept only Easter Monday and Easter Tuesday, along, of course, with Easter Sunday, uh, those being the only days of the Easter octave that at that time were holy days of obligation. Now, Father Weezer in the Handbook of Christian Feasts and Customs, states, quote, "...the joy and exultation over this greatest of all Christian feasts is evident in the writings of the saints and the fathers from the earliest times." Easter is referred to as the peak of all feasts and the queen of all solemnities. St. Gregory of Nazianzen in 390 wrote, quote, This greatest feast and greatest celebration so much surpasses not only civic holidays, but also the other feast days of the Lord that is like the sun among the stars. End quote. Those are the sentiments we approach Easter week. So how can we observe it through some of these customs in our own day? One of which we can do, is observing the Paschal greeting. Really, the most conspicuous custom of Eastertide still in practice today, at least among Eastern Catholics, is the greeting, Christ is risen. Outside Paschal Tide, it's traditional for Catholics to greet each other with the greeting, Laudeto Jesus Christus, may Jesus Christ be praised, to which the other responds some variation of it with the words, Insecula, that is, translated as unto the ages or forever. You don't really hear this much in common conversation at all nowadays, except in some very Catholic cultures, where you would still greet each other, La Jesus Christus. But during the weeks of Eastertide, Christians greet each other with a special greeting, the greeting of Christ is risen, to which others respond, He is risen indeed. Or some versions have, to Christ is risen, the response as... And he has appeared unto Simon. I've heard both of those listed before. Um, there is also the Latin greetings, Christus resurrexit, to which you respond, Very resurrexit, or resurrexit sicudixit, That would be. And he has risen as he said. All different variations, getting at the same concept of our greetings and conduct. Others should be different during this time. After we've completed the penance of Holy Week, we should be celebrating and really reinforcing that Easter begins now and continues. For the next weeks. In fact, the Paschal season lasts for 56 days if you add in not just the 40 days of Easter, but all of Ascension Tide as well as the octave of Pentecost at the end. So the Easter season, also known as Paschal Tide, is longer than the Lenten fast. It's really showing how the greatest joy of Easter continues to eclipse the penance that we hopefully performed quite hard over the Lenten season. Now, what's interesting is Easter Monday and Easter Tuesday, as I mentioned, used to be holy days of obligation. When writing about the rank of days in the Catholic liturgical year, there's various ways to label them. Now, in the modern church, they use terms like solemnity, feast, memorial, or optional memorial. But if you open up the 1962 Missal, you'll see there's first class, second class, third class, or even fourth class feast days. Uh, but before the 1962 Missal, up until the changes made by Pope Pius XII in 1955, feast days in the church were, from least to most important, as follows. Simples, semi-doubles, lesser doubles, which were also known as doubles, greater doubles, doubles of the second class, and finally doubles of the first class. Using the traditional pre-1955 calendar, we noticed something very interesting actually about Easter Monday and Easter Tuesday. These were doubles of the first class, whereas the rest of the Easter octave is a semi-double. Even with... The variation in rank, the Easter octave is privileged and no other feast days may occur in the octave. So what's unique about Easter Monday and Easter Tuesday in this rank is because they used to be, for a very long time, kept as Holy Days of Obligation. Easter Tuesday was not dropped from the list of universal Holy Days of Obligation until 1771 by Pope Clement XIV. Easter Monday, though, was dropped from the universal list only at the beginning of the ninth, of the twentieth century, and it is still a holy day of obligation. Um, in some places to this very day, actually. In fact, in Catholic European countries, it's still common to have Easter Monday off as a paid holiday, going back to this practice of it being a holy day of obligation. And that gave rise to many unique customs practice on Easter Monday since everybody was off. Now, the other days of the Easter week ceased being holy days much earlier in the Middle Ages, yet nevertheless some customs for those days also do still remain. One of the greatest customs I think we can practice as a family or as an individual on Easter Monday is the wonderful custom of the Emmaus Walk. Now, as a result of Easter Monday being a holy day of obligation and a day off for a long time, the Emmaus Walk was practiced in many places in Europe. So, what is the Emmaus Walk? Well, it's first and foremost what it sounds like it's a walk. It takes the simple form of a walk with a friend or a family on a day spent in relaxation and leisure. The name for this Emmaus walk is inspired by the traditional gospel reading read on Easter Monday, which is taken from the 24th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, which recounts our Lord appearing to two of his followers on the road to Emmaus, or he walked with them, as you recall. And at the very end of that walk, at the long day, he broke bread, And they instantly knew at that moment that it was the Lord. And then uh, Christ disappears, and they run back into town. Now, in Germany and Austria, children can still be found to play Easter games and sports in what they call the Easter Field on Easter Monday. And in the French region of Canada, the Emmaus Walk often took the form of a visit to one's grandparents. We can continue this tradition by taking Easter Monday off of work and spending our days out in nature on a long walk or a picnic with family. Spend time enjoying your lunch after the end of the long Lenten fast and cherish the company of others around you and hopefully what is nice spring air in your area. Another Easter Monday tradition is found in Hungary where young men will pour buckets of water over young women's heads while asking for a kiss and a red egg in return. This custom relates to the healing and the cleansing effects of water from which we see in the Church's blessings of holy water on Holy Saturday. And even though, even throughout tide, we will sing the Vidi Aquam, which expresses the healing effect of water instead of the asparagus during Sunday's Principal Mass. So these are all traditions we might want to learn about and continue to incorporate in our own lives. Another great custom we we should definitely mention is the Easter food. So as the holiest of all Christian holy days, it's fitting that Easter is very rife with customs. And after finishing 46 days of absence and 40 days of fasting, Easter joyously re- ushers in a period of 50 days or more, really, when you add in the Pentecost octave, where the faithful celebrate through various meats, eggs, dairy products, and other foods foods that were traditionally forbidden during Lent. This is one of the reasons why on Holy Saturday the custom originated for the faithful to bring their Easter baskets to the church where the priest would bless them. The Roman ritual still provides beautiful blessing prayers for Easter food in the form of the blessings for lamb or eggs, bread, new produce, and much more. So there's still opportunity if you need to to ask a priest to provide those traditional blessings from the Roman ritual to your foods. Now what foods can be found in an Easter basket differ from countries in slavic regions ham was often the main dish because of its richness and serving it was a symbol of joy and abundance but lamb and veal were also found too and in any case the meats were often cooked together so as not to burden the cooks with too much preparation in Hungary Easter is referred to as the feast of meat because of the eating of meat resumes after the long Lenten fast. And obviously, after, as a consequence of having traditionally abstained from all butter, eggs, and cheese for so long, we see wonderful traditions like the Easter egg emerge. Easter eggs are important and precious because not of any connection to paganism, as some falsely uh, accuse the Church of, but because of our abstinence from eggs for so long. As I've talked about before, eggs should not be consumed during Lent, same with olive meat. In fact, Russian eggs are traditionally dyed red due to the story dating back to St. Mary Magdalene. But other countries have chosen to paint even more elaborate symbols on their eggs. If you look up Ukrainian Easter egg designs, you'll see some very beautiful designs and truly a work of art to do so for the glory of God. And let's not forget cheese the Russians would customarily make a custard type of cheese that was shaped into a ball. Known for its bland but sweet taste, it was meant to indicate that it is fitting that Christians should still engage in moderation and never gluttony, even in Easter tide. Now, Father Guffine remarks, uh, quote, Why does the church on this day bless eggs, bread, and meat? To remind the faithful that although the time of fasting is now ended, they should not indulge in gluttony, but thank God and use their food simply for the necessary preservation of physical strength, end quote. So these are wonderful traditions that we might want to incorporate in the foods we have this week. In the Easter blessing, there are certain prayers that one can say traditionally, as a family even. The, the blessing before meals is slightly different in Eastertide, and I'll post that in the show notes so you and your families can use those. Another custom that I'd like to mention very briefly is, the custom and tradition, really, of the Anu's dei sacramental—it's been entirely, uh, really, forgotten since it hasn't really been done since Pius the Twelfth, or maybe John the Twenty-Third did. Um, uh, oversee this particular uh, blessing, but the onus Dei sacramental is, is something that has really fallen into obscurity, and I do believe the last pope to consecrate the wax, so th- this wax would be taken, and it would be consecrated on Easter uh, Wednesday, I believe it was. Yeah, the Wednesday of Easter. These discs were brought to the pope. He would dip them in a vessel of water mixed with chrism and balsam. He would add various consecratory prayers, and he would make the Agnus Dei sacramental. They're very rare now, and if you ever have the chance to see one in a monastery, please take the time uh, to learn more about it and and to uh, pray before this and with this sacramental. I'll have a link in the show notes uh, to go over the Agnus Dei in more detail since there's a lot to it. Now Easter week uh, concludes with uh, sabato and albis. There is an ancient custom for those who receive the sacrament of baptism on Holy Saturday to wear the same white garment throughout the week. So in some places it was called white week or bright week among the Greek Catholics actually still to this day. And the neophytes would attend Mass together each day of that octave, which, as I mentioned earlier, each day was a holy day of obligation. The bishop would address them with special instruction and words of encouragement, and this would continue until Saturday in Easter week, when they would finally lay aside their white garments for regular clothes and assume their place amongst all the other faithful. So for this reason, Saturday in the octave of Easter, which we call Easter Saturday, was called sabato and albis, which is Latin for Saturday in white. And we can, I can have more information in the show notes to more. Now, next Sunday is going to be the Sunday of what I call the Sunday of many names. It's known as the octave of the Pasch, White Sunday, Low Sunday, Quasimodo Sunday. The Novus Ordo calls it Divine Mercy Sunday. There's many different names that go into it, and that day has its own customs. Locus, uh, Low Sunday, as I'll call it, Um, In the Middle Ages, it was customary on that day for children to make their first Holy Communion. And in many places, this occurred as the father and the mother would kneel beside their child and receive Holy Communion with the child at the same time at the Communion Rail. Um, Obviously, the parents, having long ago, made their first Holy Communion, but it was a sign of great unity as a family. And in our times, it reminds us of the importance of hearing Holy Mass as a family every single Sunday of the year, especially if we can as a family. And finally, I'd like to mention the Easter duty. Now, the Easter duty... Uh, is something that is quite important, something that not everybody talks about all the time, but it really goes back to the fourth precept of the Church, which requires us to receive our Divine Savior in Holy Communion at least once a year. And unlike the precept on confession, that is, we have to confess our sins in the Sacrament of Confession at least once a year, the reception of Holy Communion as part of the Easter duty must take place during the Easter season. So that's why when when we say the Church requires us to receive Holy Communion once a year, it must take place during the Easter season. Now, when does exactly this? Um, when can it be filled, uh, fulfilled? Uh, that actually differs country to country. For instance, New Advent clarifies some important uh, exceptions for people, especially for those in the United States and most of you listening. I assume you are from the United States. So, New Advent states, "quote In the United States, upon petition of the fathers of the first Provincial Council of Baltimore." Paschal Tide was extended by Pius VIII to the period from the first Sunday in Lent to Trinity Sunday. In England, it lasts from Ash Wednesday until Low Sunday. In Ireland, from Ash Wednesday until the octave of Saints Peter and Paul. In Canada, the duration of Paschal Tide is the same as in the United States. So what's what's interesting to note is this uh, Paschal season, at least f- uh, for the context of the Easter duty is more in many places than truly Paschal Tide. In fact, some of us may have already fulfilled our Easter duty. So I'll have a link in the show notes. You can read more. There's excerpts in there from canon law, as well as information on country-specific information. Please ensure, of course, that you abide by the precepts of the Church, because if you do not, if you've uh, observed them, if that is, if you've already made your First Holy Communion, and you do not receive our lord in the blessed sacrament during the easter season per that precept you do commit a mortal sin the church obliges and requires this it was made a requirement i believe around the uh, lateran council in the middle ages because people would go so many years really even most of their life without receiving the blessed sacrament feeling themselves so unworthy they would never do so so unfortunately many times we see the opposite now. People go up and sacrilegiously receive our Lord in Holy Communion. It's, again, a time to remind people of the balance. Always prepare for Holy Communion. Always make a Thanksgiving afterwards. Be in the state of grace. Absolutely, always for Holy Communion. There is no exception to that. But don't be afraid to go to Holy Communion, as St. Pius has taught us regularly. If you have the proper dispositions, and there's a plenty of uh, information that can be learned about those proper dispositions, and finally, there is no incompatibility between absence and Paschal tide. This Friday and Easter Friday, keep it as a day of abstinence, and keep every single Friday throughout all of the Easter season as days of absence. There are no exceptions to this. And really, we should be adding Saturdays as well, since Saturdays were days of absence for a long period of time, harkening back to the early church as well. Even Wednesdays in many places too. But uh, just by church law, that is by canon law, we have to keep Friday abstinence. So please ensure, despite what people say, that you do so. I will also have more information to that in the show notes. Finally, I thank you for listening. May God grant you all a most blessed tide and a great conclusion to the Lenten fast. Laudato Jesus Christus, Christus resurrexit, very resurrexit, Amen. We don't la-